recording is from Parramatta Christian Church. We pray that this message inspires you in your walk with Christ. Well, it's my um, scary privilege to, to share with you this morning. Um, and I pray, I pray that as we take a walk through some of these scriptures that we are going to look at this morning, um, that we would be encouraged, but that we would be able to just stand back in awe of our God. And I love this morning because from the time of the prayer meeting to some of the songs we've sung to what some of the things that Josephina shared, God's really reminding us that it's about him. <laughs> it's not about us. It's about him. And that's always a good thing. It is a good thing. Um, well, in our series of Who You Say I Am today, we're looking at being a worshipper. Now, I'm sure already you're thinking of a whole bunch of things when I say that word, worshipper. Well, um, let me just give you a definition. Um, it's basically an adoring reverence and regard and paying homage or homage <laughs> to us English people to someone or something. That's like a basic definition of worship. And as a worshiper, that's what we do. We adore, we love, we fawn over, we drool, we dream, we think about this one thing or this person. Um, and Paul David Tripp, he gives a definition. He's a Christian author and he's written some great books. Um, but he says, the question is not whether you will worship, but rather what or who you will worship whether it'll be a glorious creator or something he created. And I, I think we could just sit with that for the rest of the morning. But I asked Hillary if I could just sit down after that, and he said no. <laughs> so we'll keep going. So by nature, we are worshippers, right? We are going to worship something or someone. The question is, who or what? is that, that we're worshipping. Um, I'm glad some of you have got pens and papers. I love it that people still use pens and papers. But if you don't, you, and you like to use your phone, please pull out your phone because we're going to do a little bit of uh, thinking and writing. And if you don't use pen and paper and if you don't and you just really have got a brilliant mind, then use that as well. So um, just before we we start about that. All of us, or most of us, have been to like a 21st or a wedding or some kind of event where there's speeches given, right? Um, and Hillary and I have been, had the privilege to go to many weddings and 21sts and 30ths and all of that kind of stuff. And you know, the time where we come to the speeches, that's very telling. Hello, online people. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Welcome. 
I should be looking at you too. Yes, so you've been to weddings and places as well. But anyway, speeches. When we come to the speeches, it's very, very telling because speeches focus on something or someone. And, you know, you've, you might have heard speeches where they say some wonderful things about the bride and the groom um, or the person who's turning 21. And then we've actually been sitting, listening to speeches where people have talked about themselves <laughs> and not said anything about the bride or groom or the person turning 21 or 30. And you go, wow, this is not your party. This is not about you. But, you know, it's like that sometimes. Sometimes we are in danger of making things about ourselves rather than the person who created us. So, pen and paper, phone, mind. When we say worship of self, when you look at that phrase, what do you think of? Just write some words that come to mind or think of some words. Or what does that look like in everyday situation when we worship ourselves? Or when you see, when you observe other people? Have you got at least one thing that you can think of? I hope so. Well, generally, we as humans, we follow a pattern of thinking, right? We want to be loved. We all want to be loved. But to be loved, we must be known. To be known, we need to be seen. And so to be seen, we work harder to be noticed and to make a name for ourselves. It's all coming from a place of just wanting to be loved. And so sometimes we think, well, if nobody else is going to love me, I'll just love myself. And that's not a bad thing because, you know, the Bible does say, love your neighbor as yourself. So we do need to know how to love ourselves. But can you see the pattern of thinking? Well, in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3, Verses 1 to 4, the Bible gives a very, very exhaustive list. And when I read this, I was a little bit freaked out. But mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents. I used to hate when this bit always came up. Ungrateful. Now I'm the parent. Unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. That's not any of us, is it? Is it? In your list, as you were thinking or in your head, did any of those things come up? when you thought about worship of self. 
Or did you have some other nicer looking pictures or nicer words that described what worship of self was? But if we think about it at the root of it, it's about ourselves. Even while I was reading that scripture, did you notice I made comments that alluded to myself? It's in our nature. As much as we don't think we do it, we all do it. It's very scary. And just in case we think, well, no, that's just for the people in Timothy's world and day. Well, let's go back to Genesis chapter 3, verse 4 to 6. And this is the serpent said, you will not certainly die. For God knows that when you eat from, from, from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. We haven't stopped pursuing this. I mean, Adam and Eve were already famous because they were the very first human beings. Like nobody else was going to take that title away from them. But that wasn't good enough. They wanted to be like God. They were greedy for God's position. So let's go back to that list that you might have written. And let's compare it with 1 Timothy, I mean 2 Timothy 3. And let's Let's allow Holy Spirit to point into our hearts and into our minds and into our spirits just maybe one or two things that perhaps will show us that inherently we tend to worship ourselves. In some way, we do. And let's sit with that. Let's not forget about it. Let's sit with it. Let's hold it. Now at the opposite end of the spectrum, we have the worship of God. What are some things that come to mind when we say worshipping God or being a worshipper of God? What does that look like in everyday situations? Write some things down. got at least one or two and if we were to follow the same pattern of thinking because as humans that's what we do right unless we have the Holy Spirit renewing our minds and changing the way we think we just follow the same way of thinking because we're creatures of habit so if we think about it the same way to know God we need to be able to see him right but it's hard to see God because he's spirit. He's invisible to our eyes. And so we can only see him through the description that he gives of himself in the Bible. He describes himself all throughout the Bible. 
And so in order to get to know him, we need to make an effort. Just like we needed to make an effort to make ourselves be seen, we need to make an effort to see God for who he is and to learn about him and to pay attention to how God describes himself to us. Because that's the only way we can start to adore him and revere him and, and love him and fawn over him and, and have the highest regard for him and bring homage to him. And so if we're struggling, the Bible is very good. It's not just good at pointing us about things that we need to fix. It actually tells us how and, and points us the way to the good things as well. So let's go to 1 Chronicles chapter 16 from verse 23 to 30. Um, I love it. It says, Sing to the Lord all the earth. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his dwelling place. Ascribe to the Lord all you families of the nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due to his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Hopefully you had even one of those things on your list. But wait, there's more. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, there's more. In Psalm 19, verse 1 to four, it says, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech yet, and no words, no sound is heard from them, yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. And then in Psalm 148, it says, praise the Lord, praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the, highest, uh, in the heights above. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his heavenly bodies. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens and you waters above the skies. Let them praise the Lord, for at his command they were created and he established them forever and ever. He, issue, he issued a decree that will never pass away. I mean, it's the, the, to show worship to God, it's not just us. It does, thankfully, it just doesn't depend on us. The rocks and the stones and the universe declares his glory and his majesty. Now, compare the list that you made to some of these scriptures that we've read. I know I didn't give you much time to write your list, but I think it's safe to say that you've got a whole bunch of new ideas 
of how to worship God now, if you haven't had already. Do we take the time to recognize God's glory in our everyday life? Or have we boxed in our idea of worshiping God into what we do here on a Sunday or even just our own times of worship and prayer? Do we acknowledge God's glory in everyday life? It's fascinating. Do we even, are we even aware of it? So we come to the eclipse, and we had an eclipse recently. Um, and even the whole point of an eclipse is when something comes in front of something else. Our failure to worship God's, God, <laughs> one true God, means, like I said before, that we're worshiping something else. God's glory is eclipsed by some other glory. And sometimes we do this knowingly, sometimes we do this unknowingly. But either way, it's an attempt to steal God's glory. When I read that part, it really sat heavy with me. And this morning, I really don't want to be a downer. But I feel like this is such a serious thing. It's just such a serious thing and we, we, can't, we can't afford not to be aware of it. I don't want to steal God's glory and I'm sure you don't. And I'm sure you at home don't either. But we do, we tend to, in little ways, in big ways. And Romans chapter 1 verse 22 and 23 puts this really well. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God. I mean, immortal. He's immortal. He's invisible. He's uncontainable. And us foolish human beings, <laughs> we try and exchange that for images made to look like mortal humans, birds and animals and reptiles. You know, it's like... Someone's posing to take a photo and then someone else just photobombs it. That's exactly what we do with God's glory. We just step into the picture and go, as if, really? And so really we talk about this idea of stealing God's glory. Well, who's the thief? Let's not blame anybody else. Let's just examine our hearts. It's us. How do we catch ourselves? How do we catch ourselves from stealing God's glory? How do we lay a trap for this thief? Well, in Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 to 8, saying, Jesus Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. He didn't make it about himself. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, 
even death on a cross. Jesus was God, but he didn't take advantage of his divinity while he was on mission. While he was on mission on earth, it was about doing the Father's will. It was about God, and it was about why he was here. And in the same way, I just want to encourage us. God's gifted us with so many beautiful gifts and opportunities to serve him and to love him and to to do great things for him. But let's remember that we're on mission for him. And it's not about ourselves. It's about him and his people and his service and his kingdom. And it's so beautifully said in John chapter 7, verse 16 and 18. This is Jesus himself talking. He said, my teaching is not my own. It comes from the one who sent me. Anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. Whoever speaks on their own does so to gain personal glory. But he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is a man and woman of truth. There is nothing false about that person. The more we try and live this way, hopefully the more we'll avoid being able to identify that with that list in 2 Timothy chapter 3. And I love this because Jesus says, whoever speaks on their own does so to gain personal glory, but he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is a man of truth. There's nothing false about them. And so we come to who does God say we are as worshippers? You thought I was going to talk about worship, like worship. Well, this is true worship. (laughs) True worship is just acknowledging God for who he is, not boxing him in in any way. And so our true identity as a worshipper The truth of it all is we need to be reflectors, not absorbers. Think about the difference. We need to be willing to reflect God's glory back to him rather than absorbing any of it. I hope, I hope you'll think twice about photobombing someone else's photo. (laughs) Let's go to Exodus Exodus 20, verse 2 to 6. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything, in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sins of the parents to the third and fourth generation. And we saw how that worked with the children of Israel. But um, those uh, punishing the children of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generation of those who love me and keep my commands. It's very clear. It's very clear. But there's more. And then in Isaiah... Uh, chapter 48, verse 11b, it says, How can I let myself be defamed? And this is God talking to the children of Israel about their idolatry and their lack of worship of him. He said, I will not yield my glory to another, 
very clear. And then there's more. Matthew chapter 5. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. Why? Can you read that with me? Can we read that next bit together? Why are we letting our light shine before others? That... That's why. Reflectors bounce light back in the direction of its source. Absorbers take. They consume. They soak in like a sponge. I, wa I really want to be a reflector. There's a, there's a song. Way back it was written by Planet Shakers. If you remember, you might not be old enough, but check it out. A reflector, not an absorber. I read this great um, illustration this week in an article, um, and it just made sense to me. Um, pretend you're a song, just for a moment, that you're a song. And that God is the composer of that song. So the issue is not being a great song, right? There's nothing wrong with being a great song. But the issue is when the song says, all the royalties have to come to me. Not the writer of the song, not the creator of the lyrics or the music of the song. Like how silly is that? The song making it about itself rather than the person that wrote it. So let's bounce back to God. Let's be a great song. And there's another song that I love called Life Song by Casting Crowns. And it's a great song because it talks about this idea of let my life song sing to you. So let's be great songs. Different genres, different tempos, different vintages, but let's be a great song, but let's make it all about the composer of that song. So we know, we know what the, who the thief is, and we know what the true identity of a worshipper is like. Now, how do we get there? How do we become reflectors of God's glory? Well, there's four things. Um, because I didn't want to do three or six, just four. Reflecting God's glory is about a posture of life. It's ongoing. And Colossians 3, 23 to 24 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. As working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ that you are serving. It's a posture of life. Whatever we do, wherever we go, 
Let's do it for the Lord. The second thing, the second way that we can reflect God's glory is for to be a continuous sacrifice, to continually sacrifice my desire to be seen. If I am reflecting the source of light, who is God, then it's not about me being seen. It's about me reflecting and bouncing back. And John chapter 3, verse 27 to 30 says, To this John replied, A person can receive only what is given them from heaven. You yourself, this is John the Baptist speaking, you yourself can testify that I said, I'm not the Messiah, but am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the the bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and, and is now complete. He must become greater and I must become less. And then Galatians chapter 2. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's a life of continually sacrificing the need to be seen. Number three, reflecting glory, God's glory. How can we do that? It's an ongoing cultivation of reverence and awe for the Lord. And you know what? Amazingly, I love how Holy Spirit prays. That's how we were praying in the prayer meeting this morning that we would see God for who he is, that we would be in awe of him, and yet that we would know his love. So Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 27 and 28, I saw that from what appeared to be his waist, this is Ezekiel's vision of God, from his waist up, he looked like glowing metal, as if full of fire, and that from there down, his waist down, he looked like fire. And brilliant light surrounded him. And you know, if you were driving this morning, did you see the rainbow? Listen to this part. Like the appearance of a rainbow in the clouds on a rainy day, so was the radiance around him. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of God. When I saw it, I fell face down and I heard the voice of the one speaking. And then in Revelations, John... um, Revelation, John writes this, I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, and with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was like white wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the, sh- the sun shining in all its brilliance. We have to remind ourselves of what God looks like. There's so many descriptions and so many parts in the Bible where God is described, or people attempt to describe God, I should say. But if we don't read those things, how can we cultivate a reverence and an awe for who God is? If we're only thinking about him in one way, then we've boxed him in to be that. But we need to get a a 360 degree perspective of who God is. The fourth 
way that we can reflect God's glory is to have a lifestyle of humble submission to God's will. And Jesus did this the best. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me, he says in John 6.38. Let's go back to the two lists that we made. And this, I just want to take a few minutes for you to close your eyes. Just sit with Holy Spirit. And have a look at those lists. And I trust this morning that our minds have been opened up to the depravity, if I can use that word, of worshipping ourselves. And that our minds have also been opened up to the incredible vastness and uncontainable majesty and splendor of our God. I pray that you will go home and read more of the Bible, read more scriptures that will help you understand and hear more ways of how God is describing himself to you. that you will take time to pray over those lists and ask God to help you and me become a reflector and not an absorber. And so as I close, I'm just going to pray a prayer that Paul kind of shared in 1 Thessalonians 1. Father, we ask your forgiveness for all the ways that we were worshipping and are worship ourselves. That's not how you meant for us to be. Holy Spirit, we ask for your help for us to become a worshipper of God, a reflector of his glory. Lord, we pray that you would enable us, Lord, the work that we do in our lives, that it would be produced by faith. And our labor, Lord, will be prompted by love. And Lord, our endurance will be inspired by the hope that we have in our Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray as you transform us from absorbers to reflectors, Lord, that we would become a model to all the believers. Not just to each other, but Lord, beyond this place, wherever you take us and wherever we go. And Lord, that your message will ring out from us. Because we will be reflectors of your glory. And we ask all of this in your mighty name.
Thank you for listening to the Parramatta Christian Church podcast. To hear other sermons or to find out more about our church, please visit our website at pcc.org.au.